Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is the service from June 13th, 2021. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. All right, this morning's uh, scripture to get us started is Genesis 21, 1 through 7. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When the son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Will you pray with me? God of the heavens and God of the universe, thank you for this small, joyful family. Thank you for the sun and the rain. Thank you for safe travels to church, bring us home safely. Thank you for this community. Thank you for bringing us through mess. Thank you for the light of hope of tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my Lord. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made, though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, 
you will bring me up, you will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with a heart for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praises to you with a lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Let's pray. Holy God, we know that you are our strength and the one that we can depend on. We know that there are many uncertainties in the world from uh, health, financial, personal. We know that you are the constant in all that. We ask that you would help us to still our spirits and to place our trust in you in all things that your will might be done. Forgive us for we are sinful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading will come from the Gospel of Luke. And if you want to grab a bulletin, we'll read it together momentarily. It's an exciting day to be together because every Sunday we have more and more people coming back after the pandemic. And we have guests with us. We have family members, former members that live elsewhere now. And uh, there's just a lot of excitement in the air. Uh, we had a, a really nice group at 8 o'clock for the 8 o'clock service. And some are now calling the early church, so we use that expression a lot because we use it for that. Um, but just, we just want to continue to say we appreciate everyone's patience and flexibility. We appreciate how you're giving each other space to do what you think is best. And, um, and uh, you know, the new normal is getting closer every day, right? So we've been in a, a three-week series on the stages of life because this past year, we all thought a lot about, um, uh, well, mortality was just really clear, right? Uh, because everything that was going on, and it, it caused us to think about death. But every time a Christian thinks about death, we, we think about life. What does it mean to live, and what are we really living for? And so two weeks ago, I talked about what it means to grow older, to experience a lot of change, and to realize what have I been? What has been passed to me from previous generations? What do I need to hold to? What do I need to, to discard as I make faith my own? And last week we talked about midlife, an age group that, that a lot of us here are in, and kind of the, the challenges and yet opportunities of midlife. And this morning we're talking about growing old, uh, what it means to to become become elderly, so to speak. And I just want to say this right off the bat. Uh, that when we start talking about old age, some people kind of can hang their shoulders a little bit, and it's like, oh, this is going to be depressing. And it's sad that we kind of have that, that view, like even you look on our, our birthdays, and I'm not blaming Amy for this, I think this has been a long tradition, but like we don't put how old you are in the bulletin. We do when you're a kid or a teenager, but it hits this point where we're like, ah, let's just not talk about that, you know? So we're kind of we're funny sometimes, but... You might have heard this when they do research on the happiest age bracket. 
when they do research on which age group is happiest, people in old age always win. Statistically, they're always the happiest. And I tell you, I've seen that in my family. I think my parents would say this is about as happy as they've ever been. Maybe it's because I'm no longer in the house. I need to think about that <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but I know that so many of you, um, you know, are just, I see a lot of joy in your life. Now, no age of life is perfect, obviously, but um, I see a lot of joy. So right off the bat, let's, the Bible, and we've already read some stories of old age. And, and I love that story that John read about Sarah giving birth to Isaac. And the joy and the laughter. And she has that, who would have thought, you know, type of thing. And, uh, and, and for the Christian, there, there's joy. We say that in the midst of a society that continues to, that continues to fall prey to ageism so often. We can have a tendency to put old people out to pasture and say, ah, old people think that way. And to very much disrespect old people. And uh, the Bible does not do that, and the church does not do that. In fact, um, the elderly, or those that are older, are seen as guides, and seen as those with the most wisdom. And, and so I want us to keep in mind as we, as we read this morning. So the scripture I chose, I've departed from the lectionary a little bit for this series. The scripture I chose, two of my favorite old people in the Bible. And they're often ignored because it comes around the birth of Jesus when we're normally caught up with magi and shepherds and cute baby Jesus. Um, but I love the story of Simeon and Anna. So if you would stand with me, we'll read the story of Simeon and Anna. And if you want to join with me in the bold section, feel free. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, 22 through 38. <clears throat> When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Together, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel. Thank you. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary's mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Together? There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Thank you. You may be seated. 
the word of the Lord. So notice the things that we see in the life of Simeon and Anna. Um, that Simeon is laser-focused on seeing Jesus, and it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And just notice how present the Holy Spirit is in that reading. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. The Holy Spirit tells him he's going to see the Messiah before he dies. The Holy Spirit tells him today's the day, kind of moves him to this location. And then we see it, he, he says, now I can die in peace. Because he's, what has he been living for? He's been living for the Messiah. His whole life was caught up in that. What an example to us, this now I can die in peace. Because everything has been about Jesus. And then look at the prophet in the story. Look at, look at, um, Anna, and look at how um, when Jesus comes in, nobody else sees it, but she can see it. She knows who this child is, and why? Because she spent her whole life praying and fasting. And uh, and when you devote yourself to decades of spiritual practices, you can see things other people can't see. You can sense things other people can't see. And she knows who this child is because she's devoted herself to it and devoted herself to those practices. And their whole life has been caught up in this. So with them as an example, um, I'd like to briefly talk about two challenges of growing older and, and three opportunities. I want to have more opportunities than challenges, but two challenges of growing older and three opportunities. One of the great ch challenges of growing older is we, we run into limitations as we grow older. And I'm already experiencing this. My body does not bounce back the way it used to. Paul and Charlie and I were painting houses with the teenagers this week, and Paul's your elbows sore, like, I'm still young. You're still young, Paul's like, you're on your own for this illustration. But uh, I'm sore than I thought I would be. Um, it's taken me a little longer to bounce back. And um, you've probably had this experience of, of hobbies that you love just as you get older, like, I don't know, do I want to go backpacking and camp on the ground this weekend or not? You know, do I want to do yard work all day, you know, and my knees start to ache? Uh, or, or for some, it's, it's playing the piano or the violin, and you're like, I love it, but like my hands start to cramp up. We run into limitations. We also run into limitations in our relationships because the older we get, the more people have come in behind us and we want to lead them and we want to guide them. And the Bible certainly depicts that the older should lead the young. And yet, we cannot control them. And so, one of the big limitations I face as I've gotten older is I can't control my kids. I can't control younger generations. I can't control my parents. or my like. I'm just aware more and more that I can't control other people. I can be an example. I can guide. I can lead. But I can't control other people. And, uh, and I think that's reminded me that often the control I thought I had in my 20s and 30s was probably an illusion. It pro I probably didn't have such control as I thought. But we run into these limitations. Just we're aware more and more of our mortality, our finiteness, and that we're a unique person and everyone we encounter is a unique person. And we just, we can't control. And the people who have done the best, I think, growing old have been the people who have a very mature awareness of who they are and who other people are. Um, 
as Buford got older, I saw that so much in him. Um, I had a conversation a few months ago with Miss Fran, where I thought, it's went in my notes, but I thought, she knows who she is. And she knows she's not other people. And she can disagree kindly without it ruining her day because she knows who she is. She knows she's not other people and she can guide and she can lead. And um, I think we would do well to remember that. And just that whole idea of limitations, it reminds me of um, what is known as the serenity prayer. My friends that have gone through AA or NA often say this, and you're probably familiar with the serenity prayer. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I think um, that's a challenge as we get older, and yet, and yet it can be an opportunity for maturity. Another challenge we have um, as we get older, and I think this is unique for the West. I think this is unique for um, mainly America and Europe. But we have turned retirement into an idol very often. And retirement has become the secular heaven. And I want to be very careful because I think retirement is a great thing. Like, uh, I know some of you have entered into that. Paul Prill, this is your first Sunday back. I'm just going to call on you now. How's retirement going? <laughs> so, 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 he's like, there was kind of a pandemic as soon as I started JP. But anyway, um, Retirement's a great thing. Like, we rejoice in Paul's retirement. We rejoice with a lot of the people we know in their retirement. Um, my dad has really enjoyed his retirement. He's invested in his hobbies. He does a lot of woodworking for people. He invests in his grandkids. Um, so it's great. Like, I hope we all get to do, when we retire, we get to take some trips. We've always wanted to take in everything. But, um, but it's not heaven. And I know people... I had friends in college that were talking about their retirement. And uh, I have friends who are like, I've only got to work 25 more years. 20, 15, 10. And um, I mean, I get it, but let's not wish our lives away, right? Like, it is wise. It's, the distinction I always make in my mind is the difference between Joseph in Egypt and the rich fool in Luke 12. So Joseph in Egypt saved grain during the years of plenty so that there would be enough to take care of the poor during the time of famine. But then Jesus tells a parable of the rich fool in Luke 12 that when he fills up his barn, he builds bigger barns. He doesn't share it. And so that I think Joseph in Egypt, that's a healthy view of retirement. I think the rich fool in Luke 12 is an unhealthy view. Um, but let's... We may quit working, but we will never retire from the kingdom of God. And uh, there is so much opportunity to bless other people in ministry. I saw in the first service this. Um, Bill Crouch turns 95 in September. He's 94 now. I didn't meet him until he was 84. That man changed my life forever. But I didn't meet him until he was 84. So I'm glad he didn't cash it in when he was 70, <laughs> right? Because I needed him when he was 84, and, uh, and, and I need him now. That man has taught me things the last year that I desperately needed to know. 
So the challenge of limitations and the challenges of the idolatry of retirement, but there's some great opportunities as we, as we age. And one is the opportunity to have perspective of what's really important and what's really not important. And we see that in the story of Simeon and Anna. The Judaism of their day was an absolute train wreck. It was completely hypocritical. There's all kinds of stuff going on, and certainly that was disconcerting and stressful. I mean, you know the prophet Anna is in the temple every day thinking, everything around me is crazy, and none of this glorifies God. And yet, I know who I am, I know who God is, and I keep doing what is right. There's this perspective of what's truly important. And the elderly people I know that have matured, I think in the godliest way, there's just an awareness that these things really matter. And these things may be important things, but they're not the most important. And then these things just never, these things just never mattered at all. Um, and I think that can be very important. Second, I think there's the opportunity for reconciliation. Reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other. The older I get, the more aware I am of my sin. I appreciated Andrew's prayers, that acknowledgement. We're sinners. And um, I'm realizing more and more things I did earlier in my life that I didn't know were sins at the time. And now it's been revealed to me that those, those were sins. And most of those were attitudinal sins, just like arrogance and condescension and various things. I was emailing with a, a woman from my first church, and um, I was probably 24 at the time. She's probably like 45, 46. And I remember an argument we got into in the hallway at church. And it wasn't like mean-spirited throwing stuff, but it was like a 45-minute spirited conversation. And, um, and I was wrong on the issue, and my attitude was wrong too. And I was emailing with her about something completely different this past year. And uh, I said, uh, you remember that argument we had 20 years ago? <laughs> she said, yeah. And I said, uh, I'm sorry. And she, she said, that's cool. I mean, she didn't say that's cool because she's 65 and doesn't talk that way. But um, she said, um, she said it's, it's all right, you know. And, uh, and it, was, it was really precious. And I was like, I'm glad. I'm, it wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but I'm glad I was able to say I'm sorry. And so as we grow older, you know, whatever way is appropriate, you know. I don't know if you track down someone on Facebook and say, remember when I picked on you in kindergarten? You know, they may not remember, but... Um, but to the extent that it's appropriate um, to make amends for the things we've done and to reconcile with people. Some of the most beautiful stories I see around people aging and slowly dying is them making amends and reconciling with people that maybe they've been estranged from for many years. And so, and let's not wait until old. For some of us thinking, oh, I'll do that when I'm old. Well, you know, we can do that now as we age. And then lastly, um, the third great opportunity is, um, as we age, is to get excitement about the next life. Friends, heaven is real. It's not a biblical fairy tale. There's a new heavens and new earth. The earth in its present form will not last forever. Jesus will come back and make all, all things new, and it will be like the world was supposed to be, and it's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to it. And I think I told a story before, but I was talking to my dad, who is 75, and I was like, are you starting to get excited about heaven? And he said, absolutely. And he said, uh, 
he goes, I think of it as a trip. Because my dad loves to take trips. He goes camping. He's going to Glacier National Park for like the fifth time this summer. And he said, I love planning my trips. I make careful notes and I pack things. And he said, heaven will be the biggest trip I've ever gone on. And he said, I don't want to die, but I'm getting excited about the trip. And um, I was talking to another friend some time ago whose family member um, was slowly dying. And I said, how they're doing? And he said, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of sadness. But they confessed the other day. They're kind of excited about seeing Jesus face to face and seeing those that have gone on. There will always be grief and sadness with death. Okay, this is not a spiritual test. Can you like tough it out in your old age and have no fear? All of us are going to have some fear as we age. That is normal. Jesus had grief as he neared his cross. Like that's part of it. But as Paul says, we do not grieve like the rest of the world. There will be this mixed bag of grief and sadness and excitement as we age. Because it's, because it's real. And if it's not real, why are we doing this? Um, I want to end with two quick things. Um, the last words of the Bible are written by somebody that was very elderly. They were in old age. And it was the Apostle John, who was the youngest of the apostles. And, uh, and all of his friends had been killed. All of his friends had died. And they had tried to kill him, and he just hadn't died, even though he'd been persecuted. And he's on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled at the end of his life. And he, he's ready. And the Lord gives him a vision of what is to come. And it just it fills his heart with joy. And one of the last things that he says, one of the last words in the whole Bible is simply, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And when I was a kid, and someone would say, Come, Lord Jesus, I would think, no, not quite yet. I want to finish high school. I want to go to college. You know, but I think the older we get, there's an opportunity to say, come Lord Jesus, amen. Any day would be a good day for come Lord Jesus. One story I thought about this week, I hadn't thought about in a long time, was uh, the story of my Aunt Nancy, who died of cancer about three years after my mom died. She's a very faithful Christian woman. And, um, and she said something as she neared her death. And um, my family cross-stitched this and framed it. And in my kitchen growing up, I saw this every day of my life. And Aunt Nancy said, it's not the number of years you live, but it's how you live your years. And hopefully one of the silver linings of COVID is we have thought more deeply about death, but we've thought more deeply about life. And may we live into the example of Simeon and Anna. May we have a laser focus on Jesus and living for him and living like him.
about to take communion, so if anyone doesn't have your single-serve cup, if you want to go ahead and get those, or in the foyer in a bowl, silver bowl. Jesus Christ was handed over to suffering and death. He took bread, and after he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, for this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, and after he had blessed it, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray. Oh God, this is an old world and an old kingdom to which you have called us. We pray that as we gather around this table, as we share the cup and the bread, the body and blood of your son, Jesus, that we will see the vision of the coming world. And we pray for the grace, uh, for your help uh, to enter it, and uh, for the wisdom to age well, and to know that uh, everything you have given us uh, will return to you, and even our own, our own lives and our own spirits return to you in the end. May we greet this with happiness and joy as, as Anna greeted uh, you, Christ, in the temple. Uh, and may release us from our waiting. We thank you in Jesus' name.
the closing scripture I'm going to be reading from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 verses um, chapter 4 yeah verses <laughs> uh, 6 through 8 so this is uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy so hear his words for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we are so grateful for uh, this chance to worship you and uh, to read your word and just to think about life. God, we thank you so much for the folks that have shown us how to do it, um, how to um, listen for your will, how to read your will, um, how to discern your will, Lord, and how to, how to live that. And God, I pray that we would do so this week. We would seek your will and, um, and your kingdom would be glorified by doing so. God, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us. May we seek earnestly to follow his footsteps. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Yeah, the hair's a little longer. <clears throat> we leave for uh, Houston on Thursday to go see grandkids for the first time in 16 months, just like it's been... 16 months since I've been in this building with you guys, and it's uh, so really excited about this, but we'll see what Katie thinks, my granddaughter, who will be 14 in, uh, in August. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that she will uh, just kind of look, not, not look puzzled because she doesn't recognize me, just look puzzled because I look so weird. <laughs> More than normal. Here we are, Doug. <laughs> Didn't get a chance to meet on campus, but here we are. Uh, a few announcements here, it's just, uh, uh, always fun. They're all, all in the bulletin, but uh, uh, Neil and Amy have their wow, 34th anniversary. Are they old enough to have 34 years? It's just crazy. And Neil, it's his birthday. I suspect I need to email him and say, I know why you did this, because uh, most of us worry about forgetting our anniversary, and so this way he's less likely to do so, but uh, probably still would do that. Susan's another year older. Uh, Travis and Amanda Simon, number three. Uh, uh, TJ, 11, and Bonnie this week, birthday as well. Um, <clears throat> tonight, they we're going to say goodbye to the Simons. They're going to Roanoke. Uh, they will be just a couple miles from the uh, Appalachian Trail. So uh, you know, if, you, if you feel this need to hike at some point, you can probably persuade Eric or Anka since they did this together. Uh, they'll both wear you out on the trail. But uh, uh, go and visit them and, and say hello and, and go do some hiking up in the mountains. Uh, it's really kind of nice. I saw pictures of the baby. Uh, some of you probably if you have follow uh, Micah and Rebecca on Facebook. It was not Micah and Rebecca. It was their, uh, it was uh, Rebecca's parents who I had in college as students, and, which is also kind of weird to think that they're grandparents now. But uh, uh, they seem to be doing very well. Uh, congratulations, everybody who participated in the in the work camp. I know that's a lot of work just to get ready for it. In addition to having those sore elbows and shoulders from painting all day long, it does wear on you a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Encounter, the church camp forms are now available if you would like to do that, and there's a trip coming 
up for Birmingham. And um, if you've never been to the Civil Rights Institute, I took uh, honor students there three years in a row, all the freshmen. We had our, our um, little orientation down there. And it's a pretty sobering place. A few times I had to go comfort students who were crying in front of the pictures because they just couldn't believe the glee on the faces of people who were dressed for church uh, at the lynchings uh, that, uh, that they were actually standing around having a picnic at. Uh, it was just very sobering. Uh, a reminder of why, with all of the controversy about how we do this, we cannot afford to not teach uh, these lessons uh, in our schools. So the trip is coming up, and right across the street from the Institute is the, is the Baptist church that where the bomb went off one Sunday morning uh, in the basement of William Ford Rose and William and two others. And uh, they've got a little um, uh, museum down in the basement of that church as well. Uh, it's free. I would invite you to go and, and spend a few minutes down there while you're at the, at the Institute. Um, <clears throat> I want to remember Bill Smith in hospice care, Marianne Corley continuing to... Uh, to do, uh, to, to do as she's doing, right? And, and hopefully things will continue to go well and uh, she'll have the, uh, uh, no evidence of disease for a long, long time and, and be able to, to feel better than be able to ditch the mask, right? Yeah. At some point, yes, yeah. Um, Want to remember the Myrick's friend Trudy, uh, Thornton's friend Aiden, uh, the church's friend Brett, and uh, Conway's friend Skyler as they continue in their cancer treatment as well. Uh, I've heard from Jason and Emily, they're going to be here for a little bit, uh, kind of looking forward to, to seeing them again. And I think they're in, in the country for three weeks. Uh, it's really weird because they're talking to their children now about where they go to college and said, you guys are not really Americans. <laughs> You've grown up in Tanzania, you have no idea what it's like to live in the United States. You do not have to go to college in the U.S. And so uh, it's kind of, it'd be interesting to see where they, where they land when the time comes. Um, and uh, so remember Jason and Emily, uh, Lindsay's been all over the news the last week uh, and a half as they've shut down uh, the, the encampment under the bridge. Uh, Manuel Perdomo, Hawaka, uh, Myron Shinzon, I want to remember them as well. Um, uh, Stacia, uh, uh, Sandy's friend, Sandy's daughter uh, was a colleague of mine and a good friend. Uh, and so I hope that you will remember them and their prayers. Uh, Bonnie uh, grew up. They've known each other forever. And so uh, just remember them in your prayers, Stacia and her partner uh, and their father uh, and all the people in that family, and Bonnie and Greg as well. Uh, it's just, it, it's hard on extended family, uh, as you all know, when somebody dies. So I want to remember them in our prayers. A lot going on with Mission Week. Uh, get your calendars marked. And uh, again, if you have a chance, uh, Venmo or uh, give your money to Paul or JP. Uh, I would really encourage you to go on the trip if you've never been there, because uh, it is quite a sobering experience. And it's really interesting because we read about the Tulsa riots, and you don't realize that, that Birmingham is not too far behind. Uh, you can still walk uh, uh, two blocks from the Civil Rights Institute to the remaining businesses that were once a part of a thriving uh, African-American business community in Birmingham that is now reduced to a couple of chicken places, essentially, sandwiches. If it's still there, I mean, it's been a while since I've, since I've taken students, so. If it's still there, you can still, you can see the buildings, but that's about it. And it's just, again, a sobering reminder of what we have done to communities of color uh, in an effort to try and, and preserve uh, economic uh, superiority and, and make sure that we don't have much competition. So I would really encourage you to go from there. Thank you all. I guess they're probably going to stand.
this isn't as important as what he was just saying, but reminder on uh, kids with donuts, you get your donut, you sit down, take your mask off and eat it, and then put your mask back on. Because we need to continue just to make sure everyone feels uncomfortable with all the policies. Make sure everyone feels uncomfortable. And by the way, a, a lot's happened in 16 months. I come back and I'm a lot shorter than I used to be. Yeah. Um, I start looking around at, at some of the, uh, the, the the daughters in particular, going, and Roxy. I mean, I just, you know, I, I looked at Roxy today and thought, well, you were just a kid when I left, and now here you are. Uh, it's it's amazing. And, and amazing because as I was telling people on uh, Friday morning at coffee, uh, these kids are just remarkable. Uh, everyone just remarkable uh, and uh, it's a tribute to their families and a tribute to this family uh, that they are uh, doing so well uh, and love each other so much uh, and are willing to serve in the ways that they are thank you all very much bye good to see you You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.